And what got me from the point of feeling like I was reacting to the point where I was in control was a process called a strategic planning process. Welcome to the Veterinary Leadership Success Podcast, the show for veterinary practice owners and managers who are eager to become the leaders their teams deserve. I'm your host, veterinarian and leadership expert, Dr. Dave Nicholl, and each week I'll be diving into important topics from the world of veterinary team leadership. In these short, sharp and punchy episodes, I'll share my insights, experiences and practical tips to help you navigate the challenges of leadership in the veterinary profession. Whether it's head in the clouds vision casting or in the trenches leading for performance, we will cover it all. As an owner myself, I understand the unique dynamics and demands of running a successful veterinary practice. And I'm passionate about empowering you to create a workplace where people and pets can thrive. So if you're ready for your weekly leadership fix, let's dive in to this week's show. So friends, on today's Veterinary Leadership Success Podcast, it's stupid o'clock in the morning here in the United States of America. I'm sitting in my hotel room, safe to say quite jet lagged, and reflecting on, <laughs> and it's not a great time to be reflecting on anything, but it is the time my brain decides it wants to reflect on things, so that's just the way it is. Reflecting on a couple of questions I got last night. So I'm going to answer those in two separate podcast episodes. The first one is all about how you get out of the constant feeling of stuff happening to you. So this was a great question I got asked after doing a presentation last night. The presentation was business is booming, but people are breaking. And the question, and I thought it was a very fair question, was, okay, all of this sounds great, but how do I get from the point of having a practice that just feels that it's out of control, where stuff is just happening to me, to a practice where I have time to do things like work on my culture, work on my vision, hire people, support graduates? And I think that's a super fair question because we're working under enormous amounts of strain, enormous amounts of stress, and the work volume is overwhelming. And therein lies the answer to that question. So for most of us, we've got a choice. We can spend our time as practice owners working on clinical things, which generate us immediate returns, emotional returns and financial returns. Feels great to fix animals. If you like surgery, feels great to get in and get out of theater, having successfully completed an operation. You're really filling your emotional buckets in terms of contribution and living your purpose, you're also filling the practice coffers because people are paying good money for those services. And so there's very immediate returns and gratification. The problem is, if you're a practice owner, there's a heck of a lot of other things that are dependent on you to get done. And some of those things are obvious, very overt things like making payroll, and some of those things are not so obvious, like setting the cultural tone or having one-to-one feedback conversations to keep people on track or making sure that people have objectives. Uh, lots of very covert, and I say that carefully because I don't think there are things that I think are covert or if you understand why they're important, you wouldn't consider them covert. But it's not immediately obvious why these things are important in the long run. 
But here's why they are. Most of us, by the time we get to the point of owning a practice, can do the job of being a vet quite well. So you'd think it would be easy. But most of us, or certainly many of us, are quite stressed. We're stressed not by the medicine, we're stressed by the relationship issues that are happening. And those relationship issues are happening because we don't have, or we've not set up the structural things that are necessary to develop an intentional culture. And so we're constantly feeling like we're reacting to things that are happening to us, reacting to the next staff drama, or reacting to the next piece of, I don't know, legislation that the AVMA or the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons have put out. Something our governing bodies have done, we're reacting to. Honestly, always just feeling that lives are happening to us, not us being in control of our lives. And so my answer to the gentleman who asked the question was, I found and struggled with this for so many years as well. And what got me from the point of feeling like I was reacting to the point where I was in control was a process called a strategic planning process. And that is a really important meeting. I think probably one of the two most important meetings that you can have in your clinic. And what a strategic planning meeting is all about is making sure that the work that you're going to do that isn't the clinical work, i.e. everything else that's on your plate that is not clinical, that you're focusing your time and energy in the right way that you stop the problems happening and that you take advantage of the opportunities that are available to you. So how do you do that? How do you set these meetings up and how do you perform a meeting like this? Well, actually, it's pretty easy to say. What's hard is committing the time to do it. So how do you do the meeting, first of all? Well, first of all, you must have an annual planning meeting and that's going to take you the better part of a day. It might even take you two days to make a plan for what's coming in the year. So what do you focus on in your plan? Well, let's go a layer higher up in our planning process. If we're going to make a plan of where we need to go, we need to know two things. Where it is we want to get to, where are we today? And that's the purpose of the meeting, is to establish the answers to those two questions. Now, we're not just going to shoot blindly in the dark for where do we want to be a year from now. That needs to be defined in a clearly articulated vision. What we're talking about there is what is the mission of your practice? So where do you want to be? What do you want your practice to be five years from now? You need to understand what that is. You need to articulate what that is. And then once a year, let's say you've set a mission that's going to take you five years to accomplish. Maybe it's to build a brilliant hospital, serve your local community, you know, serve three, four, five thousand families in your local community and be the highest ranked practice for customer reviews and staff reviews in your local area by, let's say, 2030. I don't know when you're listening to this podcast. It's actually 2023 right now. But let's imagine that it's going to take you like five years, 2028 or 2030, whatever. The time range matters, but for the purpose of the example, it does not. It just matters you've got a time range. So there's your big picture objective, your mission. And your mission is just an objective for the practice that you are absolutely hell-bent on making happen. It's a goal with absolute buy-in from you and your team. So then your strategic planning meeting, your annual meeting, is all about answering the question, okay, if we're going to be there in five years, what needs to be true this year for that to be possible? 
and you spend a couple of days thinking about that and nothing else, and you do this with your senior team leaders because you really want buy-in from as many people on the team as possible. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar, or apply, visit drdavenickel.com forward slash leaders. Now back to the show. And then once you have that established, then every quarter you meet and you talk about what needs to happen in each quarter coming up in order that the mission goal for the year can be accomplished and are you on track or not. And that's the simplest way of describing what strategic planning process accomplishes. Now in the meeting, you actually break that meeting down into several subcomponents. And there's various ways of doing that. But what we do in our meetings is we first of all start with an analysis of what's gone before in the time period before. And usually that's the previous quarter. So we're going to have four of these meetings a year. Meeting one is going to be an annual planning meeting with then probably half a day tagged on after that of talking about what quarter one will look like. Toward the end of quarter one, we're going to have the strategic planning meeting to plan out quarter two. Same thing at the end of quarter two for quarter three and so on for quarter four. So you're going to have four of these meetings per year. And the structure of the meeting starts with an analysis of what went before. What did we accomplish? Part two is going to be, what lessons have we learned? Capture the vital lessons that prevent you as a leadership group from making the same mistakes over and over. Part three, what are the uncomfortable truths that we need to discuss? What is true and is getting in the way of us accomplishing our mission? And we've got to be open and honest about it. Part four, what are the reasons we believe are great about our practice that will help us overcome these challenges, these uncomfortable truths. Part five is all about moving into our SWOT analysis. So we look at our strengths and our weaknesses, internal things, and then we look at our opportunities and our threats as external things. Part six, we do an analysis of what's going on in our market. What are the trends? And we look at that through the lens of societal trends, technological trends, economic, environmental legislative and political trends. And then once we've had this sort of six-step section of our meeting, and this will probably take you three or four hours to get through this stuff, you will have identified several themes that are coming up. Themes that are either very positive things internally that you've been doing, or things that have been challenging that you've not done so well. And you'll be able to look at your market analysis, the, the opportunities and the threats. You'll be able to look at what your vision is and what you've got to get done in the next year 
and you'll be able to look at what's happening in your marketplace and start to percolate out the big issues that need your attention. And once you've identified those, and my suggestion is that even if you identify four or five things that are big, chunky issues that are holding you back, or are opportunities that if you invented something or created something would become something really beneficial for you, my advice is that you choose only one thing per quarter and you work on it. Any more, and it's likely not to get done. And here's the real crux of this. This meeting takes time. But actually what takes time is to set aside time to work on the thing or things that you deem worthy of your attention as a leadership group that are happening over and above the clinical day-to-day activities. And there's only two ways you can accomplish this. Either you all work longer hours in your week, and there ain't nobody in your team going to want to do that, including you, or you do less clinical work, or you delegate that work someplace else, so that your senior team leaders are dedicating a certain percentage of every week and possibly every day that they work towards these big leadership priorities. And when you start to do that, and when you start to focus your energy on this, what you'll find is that the Pareto principle, which is a rule that defines asymmetric outputs based on asymmetric inputs, so small inputs have really big changes. If you identify the problems accurately and you apply the fixes, then Pareto principle says that 80% of your problems are coming from 20% of your issues, or the things that are happening. So one process, or one person, or one customer, or one piece of equipment is responsible for an asymmetrically high amount of your problems. The same is true of good things. So one solution, one good hire, one new initiative could be the thing that generates you 80% of the improvement in the culture or in the revenue performance of your practice. Strategic planning helps you identify those asymmetric places that are worthy of your leadership time and attention. And if every quarter you work through and identify and build something new or eliminate a problem, then you watch how the entire way that your practice operates changes over time. Because by eliminating the problems, the sources of problems, the problems evaporate, they melt away. And what mysteriously happens is you're no longer dealing with so many crises. When you hire the person who's the great fit for your culture and you get rid of the person who's a horrible fit for your culture that you've been wanting to do for years but you've been too scared to do it because they earn too much money or you feel that they're too important, then the impact that will have on your culture is such that your clinic will be almost unrecognizable. And it is quite possible to fall back in love with your practice, no problems. Just as it is possible to fall out of love with it if you make a poor hire. So this is what the strategic planning process will give you. It is the gift that takes you from being owned by your practice to owning and being in charge of your practice. It's a process that requires you to commit to a structured process once every quarter. It requires you to commit some time to check in on the progress towards the outcomes of the objectives you set yourselves in those quarters. It requires you to have a clear vision for your clinic 
and it requires you to do a little bit less clinical work. But when you do that, then the impacts are asymmetrically great in your favor and you will start taking greater ownership of your practice. That is the gift that strategic planning gives you. That is why for me, it's one of the absolutely non-negotiable things that happens in my businesses. And I would love for you to take a crack at that and implement that in your practice. So I hope that is useful information to you today on the show. I'd love to hear from you about what your strategic planning process looks like. If you do these things, if you've never done it, have a crack at it, see how you go, and do let me know the outcome. Until next time, guys, be safe, be well, be happy, and go be awesome leaders. So that wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Leadership Success Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it would be most appreciated if you would leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends in veterinary medicine all about us. Until next time, from all of us here, be safe, be well, and be happy. Thank you.